Welcome to The Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Dunham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode. If you're new here, I'm Helen Denham. I'm a mindset mentor for women. I really help women heal at a subconscious level first and foremost so that they can initiate radical change from a place of peace and ultimately create a life that feels like heaven on earth. So today we have George Lizos joining us. He is a psychic healer, best-selling author, and mentor who specializes in mastering our intuition. George teaches that the world won't change sitting on meditation pillows all day long. He's passionate about helping light workers not just nurture their light, but work it into life in real palpable ways to create positive change in the world. George's work balances intuitive guidance and practical application and draws from various spiritual modalities like intuitive healing, past life therapy, manifestation, trauma therapy, and working in the elemental realms. So in this episode together, we talk a lot about the elemental realms. We talk about psychic protection, energetic protection, cleansing and clearing out stagnancy in the auric field, energetic attachments, the astral realms, such a juicy one. This is one of my favorite conversations conversations I've had in a while. George is just awesome and so, so just wise. So have a blast listening to this one. As always, if you feel like a friend might benefit from what you're hearing, send it along. You can find George on Instagram at George Lizos and I'm at Helen Denham underscore and at the lifted podcast. And as always, thank you so much for being here. Your presence means so much to me, to us, and I love you. And I'll talk to you on the flip side. First question I always love to ask guests is how do you like to start your days off? Do you have any rising routines or rituals that you go to? Oh my God. My ritual now takes around three hours. Although when I was working a full-time job, it was less than that. So I don't want people to think that, oh my God, you have to work for like for so like you have to have like a, a really elaborate spiritual practice to start your day feeling in a positive way. But the main thing that I do is I have a daily energy protection practice because in the same way we wake up in the morning, we put on our clothes and we, we brush our teeth and we get ready to face the world. We also need to get ready to face the energetic world that we are surrounded with, not just in the physical world we, we surround ourselves with, but also the online world is also some kind of a world where energy moves through. So I make sure to go through the seven step process that I teach in, in my new book, Protect Your Light, where I guide myself through centering myself, grounding myself, cleansing my energy, but also wearing different types of shields, depending on the kind of situation that I'm going to face every single day. Okay. Amazing. Juicy topic here. Can you take us through like the seven steps that you're referring to and, and what you mean by shields? Yeah. So basically in my book, Protect Your Light, a practical guide to energy protection, cleansing, and cutting cords, I share a seven step process to protecting our energy. Now let's take a step back to define what energy protection is because it means different things for different people. So the way that I define energy protection is that it's the art of being energetically authentic. It's about ensuring that what's yours is yours and what's theirs is theirs. Therefore, you're creating boundaries between you and the outside world, not to close yourself off from other people, but to choose and have control as to whether other people's thoughts, beliefs, and emotions are affecting you or not. If we don't take the time to manage the energy that we receive and we're exposed to on a daily basis, both online and offline, 
then we allow ourselves to be vulnerable to external energies. And eventually we end up thinking other people's thoughts, feeling other people's emotions and behaving in ways that are not in alignment with our life purpose and who we really are as like people on this planet. So when we take the time to protect our energy and take ourselves to, through these seven steps, then we ensure that we are energetically authentic and that we follow our purpose and our life is really our life. And it's not other people's lives and we're living their idea of our life through them. So the seven step system, it's, it's too long to share the complete seven step system, but I wanna share the, the major three steps that will instantly give listeners a practical process of uh, a following every single day to protecting their energy. And those first three steps are identify, clear, and shield. Identify has to do with turning on our psychic vision and scanning our body and our aura to identify all the different energetic attachments that we've caught throughout our day. Second step has to do with using different practices to cleanse all those energetic attachments and different cleansing tools work for different energetic attachments. Uh, for example, many people are familiar with using Palo Santo or with, with using sound and sage and working with smoke and fire and water and the elements to cleanse your energy. But I, and although I mention a lot of those processes in the book as well, I also focus on using meditation-based practices where you work with your own hands and with your own physicality because our body is the most powerful cleansing tool that we have. So we can use our own physicality to cleanse ourselves. And then step number three, it's all about shielding. Now, many people are like, oh, when you shield yourself, you're affirming separation and therefore you're, you're buying into duality and therefore you're attracting attack. And whereas this is true to, on some level, because in spiritual truth, we're all one, we're all interconnected, and therefore one cannot hurt one, at the same time, we live in, ego, in an ego-based world. We've incarnated as human beings to create this separation. So we have to simultaneously accept the spiritual truth, but at the same time, work with what we have and realize that although when we are aligned to who we really are, we are protected, shit happens and sometimes we get out of alignment and when that happens we need to have shields and tools to bring ourselves back home so those shields and in the book i define the difference between amplifying shields transmuting shields and repelling shields they work for different situations whether we want to repel energy transmuting coming energy or just amplify our own energy to protect us against negativity so this is just a quick snapshot of the main three steps Fantastic. Oh, I love this. Um, can you talk a little bit more about using our hands as a protective, like clearing tool? I love that. Just having a Reiki background, as I think a lot of us are familiar with, like, can you touch on that? Yes. And I have, I, I'm a Reiki master as well. And that's how I started using my hands and realizing the power that we have to, I believe that our body is the most powerful divination tool, clearing tool, space clearing tool, shielding tool. We have all that we need essentially to, mm -hmm. to connect with the universe, to, to divine guidance and to protect ourselves yes all the spirit guides and the tools that we use in the spiritual community they're so fun and that's why we use them but we don't really need them and i'm really passionate about teaching that so an easy way we can use to cleanse our energy using just our hands is firstly clapping so when we and by the way mindfully doing so because all energy work works with intention 
It's not the sage that's going to clear your energy. It's the intention that sage cleanses your energy that does it, for example. Mm -hmm. So with intention, after you went through the first step of scanning your aura and your energy for then identifying all the different energetic attachments there, then you're using your hands to break them up by clapping around your energy and feeling where the blocks are clapping and you're breaking it up. But after you've broken it up, you need to remove it from your energy field. So you can use your hands to just wash it away and you can literally flick the energy away. And then afterwards, if you want to smooth the energy, you can use your hands in a more subtle way to just massage your aura and smoothen the energy because when you just um, let all the energy like become unhindered unhindered and untangled and, and you untangle all the energy and then you you break it all up you you then need to calm it down and you can use reiki as well to send reiki energy to your energetic field to allow everything to get settled and then you move into the shielding process as well which again works with meditation and with visualization too Amazing. I love how you give us such tangible tools for this. It reminds me just the other night, I'm in a new home now and I felt, um, spirits in the house. Like, and I, it was kind of, um, a, a once in a while kind of experience and it didn't feel like I had invited them in. It felt foreign. And I remember taking this ethnomusicology course in college where they were talking about in Africa that they will drum out the, the spirits lingering when someone passes. And so I was clapping, like you had just suggested to like move the energy out. And then I opened the windows and kind of did a couple incantations to get them out. But um, and it was a very tangible feeling when it left and, and to clear the space like that. So it's amazing how physical, how emotional yes. and like how sensory that is. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you make a really important point here. You talked about one of the energetic attachments that I talk in Protect Your Light, which is spirit attachments. Mm -hmm. And there are many different types of spirit attachments. Now, don't get scared. Most people, when they hear spirit attachment, they're like demons. It's not just demons. There are all types of spirits. And sometimes it's not spirit, it's just different types of energy. So in the book, I distinguish between low-level spirits and demonic spirits, as well as object uh, attachments, because certain objects hold energy and they're very charged with different types of emotions. There may be poltergeist activity, there may be ghost activity, there may be elemental activity. There are all these kinds of energy that we can encounter in our houses and within our energy fields as well. So that's why the scanning process of uh, energy protection is really important, because unless we scan to know exactly what's there, then we won't know how to clear it. And you scanned, you identified it was like foreign energy, and then immediately you went through the tools or the incantations you knew to protect yourself. Also, when I comment on the fact that you, you talked about ethnomusicology, which by the way, I love because I'm a human geographer. That was the first degree that I did. So it has to do with ethnography and working with music and space as well. And you, you talked about drumming. And it's interesting because I started a frame drumming classes two weeks ago <laughs> oh, for cool. this exact reason. So essentially every single culture, well, I don't want to say every, but many cultures, many ancient cultures have used drums and sound to clear energy because sound has vibration. And in different vibrations and in different ways of playing it, you move energy in different ways. The drum, for example, is a very ancient that has been used even before the ancient Greeks 
uh, like in, in the matriarchal societies to clear energy, to create community, to break things up. So you can use drums and you can use bells and you can use so many tools, but also your own body. You can even like thump on your chest and you can use that to break up energy too. Fantastic. Wow. Um, I would love to know more about your background in general and how you got into this particular work. Like what does your background look like? How did you get here? Oh, let's let's get started. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let's go there. Give us the juice. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna break it down in, in, in an easy and quick way. So it all started here where I am right now, in a small Mediterranean island in Cyprus. Growing up in the 90s, a very close community, a very small island in the Mediterranean. And this is true, by the way, for every small community anywhere in the world. They tend to be a bit judgmental. They expect you to be a certain way. They expect you to fit in within the norms and fit in with everybody and just be the same. So and there was me, like the weirdest kid you could ever meet, uh, standing in a field of yellow daisies and talking to the flowers and wondering what is the purpose of life. So from a very young age, I felt that I was different. I knew I was different. People knew that as well. And therefore I was bullied. I went through a lot of bullying and that got me thinking that it essentially conditioned me to believe that to be accepted and to be successful in the world, I have to people please. I have to change myself to fit into other people's expectations of me. Fast forward to the time that I was 13 years old being bullied and being called so many uh, names because I was different, I realized that I'm gay in a society that had literally just legalized being gay. So you can imagine the taboo that this word, this term had at the time. Gay people were considered to be pedophiles and criminals. It was a word I had never heard before. Sex was something I had never heard before either. So there was no way that I could accept such a term. So I put myself through hell trying to change me from gay to straight. These were the two most debilitating years of my life from 13 to 15 years old, where I monitored the way that I walked, the way that I talked, the way that I thought, trying to turn me straight. And two years later, when I couldn't change what I was born to be, I called myself a human abomination and decided, you know what? The only way out is to put an end to my life, is to just end it all. And it was in that dark moment after I had written a letter to my parents, I had a bunch of pills in my hands and I was ready to put an end to it, that I had the epiphany that got me on my spiritual path. And that epiphany was, fuck what people think, fuck what society thinks, and just learn to love and accept yourself exactly as you are. But you know what, Helen, I had no idea how <laughs> to right. love myself. Because all I knew was self-loathing. All I knew was self-judgment. But you know how it works. When you're open to change, the universe shows up. And the universe brought me one book after the other, after the other, after the other. And I entered a spiritual path of learning to forgive myself, love myself, connect to different energies, and eventually lead me to where I am right now. Oh my God. So what were, first of all, I love what you say about being willing to change. I think that's one of the most powerful affirmations I've ever implemented. It's so simple. I'm willing to change. I'm willing to change. And then it just opens up that portal, like you said. So what were some of the first books that you came across or teachers that you began to learn from? Does anything stick out for you in particular as yes. you began your healing? The, the first spiritual modality I ever got into was Feng Shui. 
And I use it to manifest my first boyfriend at the time. I'm like, you know what? I can change my space and I can attract things. And I did it and it worked. I'm like, okay, now I'm hooked. I want to learn more. So then I went into angels and affirmations and the law of attraction. But the book that really shifted things for me was two books, actually. One was Louise Hayes, You Can Heal Your Life, that I believe many people have read and loved. Mm -hmm. And the other one was Ask and It Is Given by Abraham Hicks. Again, something that many people have read. Uh, and then I, I just really got into like learning as much as I could. And then I was I was so happy at some point when I went to university, I did different things, geography and business management and metaphysical studies. That was something that was uh, near to what I wanted to do. But eventually I it, it led my path led me to go and work for Hay House in, in London. So I got to uh, to give back essentially to Louise Hay. And the really nice thing is that I I left the year she passed away. It was and it wasn't planned. She passed away, and I just it just happened to be leaving at the time, which was I found symbolic because I had given uh, the thank you that I wanted to give at the time. Amazing, yeah. You know these these books that we talk about as staples, like they are so potent though. And I think the the message there is like this this empowerment that realizing that we are in the driver's seat and that we ultimately have a choice and these people, these teachers are the biggest expanders out there to just give us permission to step into a new paradigm, essentially. Yes, they are. And, yep. but at the same time, there is a trap sometimes, depending on the person and the temperament and the personalities. What happened with me was I got so hooked at some point to the teachers and the books that I stopped trusting my own intuition, my own inner guidance. And I started depending and becoming codependent on other teachers and on other books. And when I wrote my first book, which was called Be the Guru, a step-by-step -step guide to becoming your own spiritual teacher, that was my journey of realizing that, you know what? All the love, the support, the wisdom that I need is already within me. And yes, other people in books can give a lot of guidance. At the end of the day, it's me who's doing the work. Mm -hmm. And how did you start to discern like what your own voice was and really trust yourself? How did you start to flex that muscle, I guess, to get into your authenticity, if that makes sense? Good question. I took a spiritual teacher detox. That's how I, that's what I called it at the time. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take six months without reading anything. And I'm just going to focus on my own techniques. And that's when I started by experimenting with my clients and working and trying different techniques. I started developing skills that that were within me and but were untapped because I was so busy learning all the different techniques from everybody else. So I would suggest this to anyone actually who's serious about doing this work. Like it doesn't mean like you're never going to read another, another spiritual book or, or never you're never going to learn from other people, but just give yourself permission to discover what your own calling is because your body has the tools and the uniqueness and the authenticity. Your soul is guiding you and telling you how you're supposed to work. Whenever I first started out, I called myself a life coach, which is very different from what I do right now. I'm a psychic healer. Huh. So from life coaching and guiding people to do journaling, now I'm just scanning people's auras and identifying energetic attachments and doing past life regressions. Completely different because I trust it and I let myself discover that. Popping in for a moment to chat with you about my mentorship offering. This is a private one-on-one -on -one, seven-week series with me that is designed for the woman who is ready to change her life. It's for the woman who is ready to feel safe and grounded, clear on what she wants and exactly how to get there, 
the woman who feels confident in her power and able to express, release emotion and becomes optimistic about what's to come. And we really get you there. We help you to create a new paradigm using habit and routine formation. We explore the subconscious deeply. We activate your highest self and we lean into shadow and alchemize and release that stagnancy, any density that's built up there. Most importantly, we create a space of unconditional compassion, of safety for you to navigate the depths of your experience and to take a look at those triggers and what has been holding you back so that you can create a life that feels like heaven on earth. And I'm at a point now where I have seen such radical change in the women that have come through this container that I guarantee your life will change in a profound way. And to my pleasant surprise, I've actually been working with a lot of women who are budding coaches and mentors themselves. So that's been such a blessing and a pleasure to be be of service in that way. I have other women who are with me to simply work on their spiritual growth and dig deeper into who they are as a human being and a spirit having a physical experience. And I have some women who are just navigating big life changes who need support. So if this sounds like you, if this is feeling like this is your call forward to up level in your life and really blossom, especially you know, in this new season that we find ourselves in, you can just go to my website, helendenham.com, and you will find that you can book a free 30-minute power session with me to get to know one another and determine if this is in alignment for you. Okay, thank you so much for listening. Back to the episode. Yeah, you know, I think this is such an important conversation to have, especially in this industry as well, because this has become very saturated in our world. And um, I find that people start to parrot one another and all like all of a sudden everybody's sounding the same, looking the same, branding the same. And um, yeah, absolutely. I want to take your advice more actively as well. But I found that the most potent insights that I've had have honestly been in meditation or, um, you know, a recharge for a week going into nature, like because I feel like we are just in a society now where we're consuming all day and we're not creating as much as we might have in the past. And just having this conversation about like how our parents' generation, they might go to see like a movie in the movie theater once a week. And then they'd go to a dinner party and sit down and have a long conversation about that film over the course of a week. And in our current pace, it's like, we're watching like three things a day. Like we're not really, you know, observing what we just took in. It's just fast. So I really yes. appreciate your insight there because it's potent. And I want to share a little bit about the power of space coming from a geographical background where I studied people's relationship with space and then combining it with spiritual work. I found that spaces have power over us. And when we change our space, magical things can happen. And you'll notice it now that you've moved like to a, to a new place because every single city, every single country, every single place has a different kind of energy. And when we spend so much time in a specific place or country or city, then we get accustomed to the, that energy and we become complacent and we don't change and we are the same and it gets boring. When we move, even if it is for a, like a two-day weekend trip, trip, for example, or go to, to a retreat, because we take our energy and we place it in a different environment that has different types of energies, yes, of course, we need to protect ourselves. But even if in that time we remain unprotected, that energy will shock our system and will unlock parts about ourselves that we hadn't previously tapped into. Let me give you a very recent and practical example. When I recently, last month, I went to Athens. Uh, I usually go when I want to let go by myself as a solo trip. And of course, I expected that whenever I travel, I know something comes up. And I had this huge epiphany. I was so excited about it. I couldn't sleep. 
which was about starting a new podcast about something completely different, but still relevant about exploring gay sex and relationships and bringing a spiritual and conscious perspective into that. And I'm like, this is so foreign from what I've been doing, but my whole being screams, yes. <laughs> mm. So I had to trust that. So it's very nice and it's very encouraging when we want to find our voice when we want to find what our soul wants to take ourselves out of our comfort zone physically by taking ourselves in a different space and if you can't travel just go to a cafe go to a park go somewhere else and spend some time there and see what shows up Yes. Oh, I love that. What else did you learn in feng shui while we're on this topic? Anything else that came to mind that has been powerful in designing your spaces in your home or anything like that that comes up around feng shui? Yes, I have an intuitive approach to feng shui. If you go like to the traditional Chinese uh, energetics, then they have very specific rules that don't necessarily fit in with our Western lifestyle. My process with feng shui is, yes, I know the rules. I know how things work. But at the same time, I trust the relationship between my space and my energy. And this is what this is why I wrote Protect Your Light to help people become aware of the energetic aspect of things. Because we're so used to being in this physical world and seeing ourselves as physical and we don't realize there's an energetic component to every single thing around us our beliefs our fears our um our emotions they all exist energetically first so we may we may be working on releasing a certain limiting belief but if we just release it cognitively with hypnosis for example or eft tapping and we don't then release the energetic block within ourselves that belief can come back i call these sticky limiting beliefs they keep on coming back however many times we work through them that's because there is an energetic component. So with Feng Shui and the space, when we enter a specific room, we can feel the energy of the room. Like in the room you're in right now, if you go to a different room, the energy will be different. And then you move to a different room, the energy will be different. And then you, we train, you train yourself to feel the energy as you move through the room and also the different spots within the house. Noticing what room do I like to spend more, most time in? Why? What corner do I choose? What corner do I avoid? All this... Are, all these are clues to energies that may be there that may also be cluttering our own energetic fields, interfering with our inner guidance, interfering with our intuition and blocking us from following and, and finding our life purpose. Mm, so good. Um, to return to entity attachments and energies that are connecting to us and even bringing awareness to that. First of all, how do we even pick up on certain like attachments? Like where do you find that those gaps in our aura open up and what happens there with an attachment in the initial phase? Yes, I have a process in, in, in Protect Your Light, which is all about scanning your energy field. I, I call it turning on your 360 degree vision and then scanning your energy system. And actually people can get this for free. I have a two hour workshop where I teach this and I give this uh, to people for free. If you go to protectyourlightbook.com, when you order the book and enter the, the order number, you get that workshop where I guide people step-by-step step how to turn on their, their psychic vision and scan. But essentially we need to realize that we can see energy Everyone can do that. We are all born intuitive. We're all born with our psychic abilities turned on. Yes, some people are more talented than others, but talent is not enough. Consistent work always beats talent. And mm. I 100% believe that because I proved that to myself. I'm not the kind of psychic that grew up seeing spirits and uh, my dead grandma was like over me, even though they're both alive. But you get my point. I was not the kind, you know, that the psychic stories you hear, 
Like, oh, I couldn't go to sleep at night because I could, so many spirits wanted to chat to me. Like, you hear all these stories. I'm like, that was not me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and here I am with so much work. I'm, I do this for a living. So what I want to communicate is that anyone and everyone is psychic and they can turn on their psychic vision to scan and see energies. It helps when you know what you're searching for. That's why I have an entire chapter in Protect Your Light talking about the different energetic attachments. And I want to quickly mention them just so people can get an idea. Aside from entity attachments, spirit attachments, there are also collective thought forms, which is a collective frequency of different fears that we can tune into. There is residual spatial energy, which is the energy you have in your house, for example, predecessor energy that comes from the previous inhabitants that just lingers in the house. There are toxic cords of attachment that we have to people, to places, to objects, to past lives, to beliefs, so many different things. There are charged objects. There are karmic contracts, karmic vows, and karmic curses. These are, this is psychic attack that spans lifetime. <laughs> mm. There is psychic attack in the form of psychic daggers and other psychic weapons that other people send to us. Once, for example, someone feels an intense wave of negative energy towards us, an emotion, for example, anger or jealousy, there is like some kind some kind of a dagger, energetic dagger, like hitting our energetic field and blocking the flow of energy. So when we're aware of that, we don't have to dwell in it. We just have to be aware of it because when we dwell in it, then we attract it. We just have to be aware of what's there. So every morning when we scan, we, we know what we're searching for. That is really what I felt like when I was mentioning the entities that I felt like it felt like daggers. It felt like a psychic attack. Cause I called my sister and she was like, I was like, it's like somebody's in my house. It's like somebody is sending me something and it's, it's bouncing off me. So thank you for putting words to that. Cause that's a lot more like accurate of what it actually felt like. Yeah. Yes. And you would use a repelling shield in that moment. I would use, for example, a mirror shield that I talk about in the book where you're visualizing a mirror around you that sends all energy backwards, like to, to the person who sent it before also clearing it and removing that dagger. Cool. And then when we talk about like uh, cord attachments and cutting cords, like, can you give us some more insight on what uh, a cord really refers to and what's going on energetically there with a cord attachment? Yes. So we have energetic cords to every single person or thing or being that we have a relationship with. So Every single person or thing that we have a relationship with, you will have these immaterial energetic cords that extend from different parts of our chakras and our body connecting us with that person. Think of that as the umbilical cord that we have to our mom, that although it gets cut when we are after we are born, there is still the energetic cord there. That's an example of an energetic cord most people will be familiar with. Also think of the, the Wi-Fi and the Wi-Fi lines, how they connect our phone with a router, for example, there is this invisible line. It's there. We can't see, but we know it's there because we're getting signal. So this is an easy way to to picture how those energetic cores look like. Most people are aware of cores that we have to people, but we also have cores to places, to past lives, to objects, to limiting beliefs, to literally anything we have a relationship with. If those relationships are positive, then there is beautiful, positive energy flowing through the cores. If the relationship are, is negative or if the relationship ends, but the cord remains there, then the cord turns toxic. And when the other person is feeling negative emotions towards us, those emotions come through the cord and affect us. Mm. Literally, I've started, whenever I, I need to resolve issues with friends or relationships or anything, before I have a conversation, 
I tune into our chord. I'm like, let's see what's happening there. And I can see the stuckness and I clear the chord. I energize the chord. And then I have a conversation. Again, seeing the energetic component in things and realizing that not everything is resolved just physically. We can also do energetic work and then do the physical work as well. Combine it. So in the book, I teach a process of how to identify those chords and then how to cut them or neutralize them or energize them or clear them. Mm -hmm. I mean, this leads into curiosities too, about like sexual exchanges with people and what happens when we have sex with people. What do you think about that? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Thank you for talking about this. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I talk about this in the book as well. I talk about psychic rape. So let's talk about it. So whenever we have any relationship with anyone, even if that relationship is a one night stand, we establish an energetic attachment. Usually it's between the sacral chakras of the people, the sexual chakras. But when we, when we share emotion as well, maybe there's a cord extending from the heart chakra as well. So it's very important after we have casual sexual relationships that we cut the cords, especially if we don't want that relationship continuing. If we leave, uh, leave the cords there, then we're putting ourselves into a vulnerable state of experiencing psychic rape, which is when someone fantasizes about us obsessively. Now, it doesn't mean that anyone who fantasizes about us or we, we, we fantasize about someone, we're going to psychically attack the other person in that way. But if it becomes an obsession, then that can occur. And I've, I've, I've recently had to deal with my client, with a client who literally had physical marks on his penis <laughs> as a result of psychic rape. Oh my and it, so it turned into something physical. Wow. Wow. That's really fascinating. Really interesting. This makes me want to understand more too about your transition in like business and life from life coaching into energetic work primarily. Like what was that shift like for you? It was a shift of, of accepting who I am because if you take the history of, and many people will share a similar kind of history, growing up in a Christian society and being told that all this work is the work of the devil and therefore you need to do what's right and all spirituality is Christianity. Then you come with this kind of conditioning that what I'm doing is wrong, but I enjoy it. So I'm doing it, but I'm not really owning it and I need to cover it somehow. And therefore I'm going to call myself a life coach. <laughs> mm. So the, the more energy work that I did to release all this stuff and all this conditioning about who I'm supposed to be and how I'm supposed to be, the more I came into who I really am. And you know what? I'm still releasing a lot of it. I realized two years ago when my dad passed away, I, had sh I shifted in a completely different way. I felt liberated. As, as, as sad as it sounds, my dad's presence in my life still controlled me, even though I had accepted myself as gay and I was following my life purpose and I was doing what I, I was meant to do. His rejection of my work and his rejection of my sexuality still controlled me in some unconscious way because I was toning myself down to please him. Yeah. And then as soon as he passed away, my hair went blonde. I have two earrings. Uh -huh. I'm starting a gay sex and relationship podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm all out with my psychic, <laughs> psychic skills as well. Yeah. You know what? I think that's really courageous to even say and express because I think it's an experience that a lot of people go through when, when family members pass or, you know, they shift out of experiences that were keeping them small, but it just like opens up this big 
Ooh, life shift where you can really embrace who you truly are. It's amazing. Yeah. And you realize that we live in systems. We, we're not just these mutually exclusive people just living our own life in our own bubble. We exist in familial systems, societal systems, past life systems, and simply our present within a system affects us. And therefore our ancestors' experiences affect us. Our culture's experience affects us. The society we're in affects us. Our past life experience affects us. It's not just us. We're in this multidimensional connected web of cords that influence us all the time. And the more work we can do to become aware of how of the systems we're in, the more work we can do to release all that and allow ourselves to be who we were born to be. Yeah. And on the topics of past lives, what do you think about that? What do you think about past lives and the nature of like time and space in general? Because thinking of time is not linear. Sometimes it's um, challenging to wrap our heads around past lives and the timeline of it all. What do you think about past lives and the energy there? Yes. I, of course, I believe about past lives and I guide people through past life regressions for the purpose of, of healing traumas, of retrieving past life skills and, uh, and moving forward with our life purpose. I believe when it comes to like the multidimensionality of past lives, yes, time is cyclical and life is cyclical, but at the same time, we exist within these this, this framework of a 3D world. Our soul remembers everything, all our lives um, that we have lived and we're going to live are to some degree already predetermined, not by some external force, but by ourselves. But I believe from a soul perspective, we put ourselves through these lives so that we can learn experiences and grow our souls. So it's like we created this, this game Mm -hmm. And we decided to incarnate in it just so we can have experiences with one another lifetime after lifetime so our soul can grow. Now, our soul knows that there is no time <laughs> and all, everything just is. But our soul also chose to create a limitation of time and space just so we can get to interact with one another because through this interaction comes new experiences and through those experiences comes consciousness and through consciousness comes the expansion of the universe, which is the whole purpose of why we're here. Yes. <laughs> and then on that same kind of topic, what's your experience with the dream world? Have you, have you dived into the dream world at all and liminal spaces and astral travel? Like, what do you think about the, the astral realms? I love your question because that was, it's like you're channeling me right now because that was the, one of the first spiritual modalities I practice. The first was Feng Shui. The second was astral projection. And now I, although I don't do it consciously right now, just because it takes a lot of practice for me. Mm -hmm. Some people, they just do it naturally. And I'm like, wow. And I they know. try to stop stop themselves from doing it. I'm like, are you kidding me? I did uh -huh. six weeks of daily practice exactly. to get to that state. And you're stopping yourself. Um, it made me aware of, it, 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 yes, it made me aware of the spirit world. And also how our auras can become vulnerable to spirits. Because we have this multi-bodied, multi-layered being, our physical body is not all that is we have a spiritual and an energetic present and the way that i see it we have these layers of our aura and different bodies the astral body the astral layer and the seven layers which is the etheric layer the emotional the mental the astral the etheric template the celestial and the catheric layers we have all these layers that exist in different dimensions and we can perceive the same world in different ways by perceiving the world through the different dimensions of those layers the astral layer, which is the uh, the fourth layer, 
is the one we escape to in our dream world. So whenever we sleep, we don't remember it because we remember it as dreams. Our astral body exits our physical body and travels in the astral plane, which is a different kind of dimension and interacts with different spirits. This is where we can interact with low level spirits and therefore we have nightmares mm. or, or, or attacks essentially, or like high level spirits like angels and different types of, of, of uh, elementals and different types of frequencies as well. So we get to have this experience. Astral projection is basically when we realize that we are out and we, we perceive the world consciously through our astral body, which I believe is a powerful tool that we can use to deepen our energetic work and also learn lessons that would take us longer to learn had we not had the experience to communicate with spirit in that direct way. Yeah, because there it, it is this direct communication, this direct line, all of us. And I'm right there with you. My first awakenings and experiences were through lucid dreaming and astral travel, which I've only done a couple of times, like the astral projection. That was all I needed to be like, oh my God, I am um, a spirit having a physical experience. It was just, it was uh, literally experiencing that. And then Reiki was kind of 2.0 of that. And then to continue, but like, it really took um, physical experience like that, which I think you could even compare to a near death experience. I don't know if you'd agree with that, but like yeah. the same kind of leaving of the body and understanding that you're leaving for a moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first time is definitely scary. And it was for me as well. I remember I was I was given a tool and a way to test whether I'm out or not. So I would have to wake up in, in the middle of the night and pull my finger. And if it extended, that means I was out. Because Ooh. you don't realize if you're in or out because it feels like you're awake. Yeah. So every single day for like six weeks, I would wake up. Like, okay, let's, let's pull. Okay, I'm still physical. Okay, fair enough. And then one night... <laughs> I'm like, I'm sitting on my bed. I'm like, okay, let's see if I'm physical. And I pull my finger and it lengthened. I'm like, oh my fucking God. And then I turn and I see me sleeping. Oh and my then God. I got scared. I yeah. got scared. And of course, as soon as it gets scared in the astral plane, you immediately come back into your body. Uh-huh. Oh, I love that. That's also just a great tip for anybody practicing lucid dreaming to like do that. Be like, am I dreaming? Yeah. Am I dreaming? Because then you end up doing it in the astral world and you can in the dream. click in. And you can wake Very yourself cool. up. Yeah. In the I dream. love that. Oh my God, George, I feel like we just hit the tip of the iceberg here. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. And I'm so excited to explore your book and everything. So for people to connect with you more deeply, uh, what's your Instagram, your website? How can we touch base with you? So my website is georgelizos.com. My Instagram is at georgelizos. And if you go to protectyourlifebook.com, when you get the book, you also get the free psychic scanning workshop as well. Fantastic. Thank you again for being here. I'm so grateful for you. I just learned so much. It's awesome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for the amazing questions. I really enjoyed them. Oh, you're welcome. All right. Talk to you soon. All right, my friends. Thank you so much for being here and hanging out with us today. I hope you're feeling inspired and lifted and called to action in some area of your life. And as always, everything mentioned is linked in the description below. And final note on my end is that I'm running full moon circles every month, which is so exciting. It's the perfect opportunity for us to come together as sisters and community as we navigate the different cosmic energies at play. So I'll take us through an oracle card reading. We'll do journal prompts 
thoughts together and then I'll take you through a guided hypno journey which is like a beautiful visualization journey for about 30 minutes. So come in your comfy clothes, light a candle, bring your journal and just get ready to have a really nice time together. Um, I'll leave the link in the description below for the next one. And if you have any questions or just want to chat and get in touch, I'm on Instagram at Helen Denham underscore and at the lifted podcast. Okay. Thank you so much for being here and I will talk to you on the next one. Bye for now.